0: Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. I wanted to have on Nate Duncan of Basketball Insiders because there have been three big steps in the last month of the NBA, from the NBA draft to the transactions after the July moratorium and the summer league and everything that's gone on with that. And Nate has had a hand in all of those. He wrote some great draft pieces for Basketball Insiders, so I wanted to recap that. Then free agency obviously is something that both of us care about a lot and then he covered summer league so we get into all of those in a fairly short period of time he's busy so we end up talking for about a half an hour we get on to those topics we also talk about the possibility of Cleveland trading Kevin Love or Cleveland trading for Kevin Love by giving up Andrew Wiggins and a series of other things, figuring out what the Eastern Conference is going to look like and we give a rough view of the West as well. It was a lot of fun to talk to him and there are a lot of pieces that we still don't know, but it was good to get a sense of where we are right now. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. A lot has happened since the last time that we recorded on the podcast, and I wanted to start with what pretty much happened first, which is the draft. And so much has happened since then, but felt good to a little bit of explanation of all of that. And so what stood out to you in what ended up transpiring in terms of the draft?
1: Well, I think the, the biggest thing to me was that I was really surprised at what Orlando did in taking Aaron Gordon over Dante Exum. And Alfred Payton is someone I didn't see as, as much of, so I don't have a great opinion on him yet. But I thought Exum was clearly the better prospect compared to Gordon. And not only that, but that when you're a team in Orlando's situation where they kind of have a bunch of good young players, but no one who really projects to be great, that you would want to swing for the fences with someone who has the offensive upside of Exum. Uh, although I think Gordon will in time be a nice player, envisioning him as the dominant offensive superstar that every team needs uh, is probably pushing it a little bit.
0: You and I are both very high on the concept of rim protectors and Gordon is definitely a forward, which forward position is a little bit unnecessary to define at this point. Do you think at least conceptually that a forward who does not have center size can be that rim protector?
1: Well, I think, we saw that Miami succeeded in that mold somewhat now granted that's who knows how repeatable that is when you've got guys like Wade and LeBron that you're not going to find that every day, but yeah, teams shot really poorly at the rim against Miami the last few years, less so this past year as those guys kind of started slowing down. So I think it is possible. Of course, they're going to have to actually play him at the four as well, which it doesn't seem like at least in summer league, they had him at the three. That might've just been for developmental reasons, but I don't think he's going to be a good enough shooter at the outset or maybe ever to play the three, And but I think he could be very effective as an Andrei Kirilenko type of four.
0: And offensively, the addition of Channing Frye definitely makes sense in terms of if you want to get shooting from another spot if you're not expecting to get it from Gordon, but... I, I'm i intrigued by how that would work defensively because I can't see a situation where you put Channing Frye or Nikola Vucevic on a three on the opposing team.
1: Well, yeah, no, of course, of course you wouldn't want to do that. You're saying if you were putting, is this if Gordon is also in the lineup at the same time?
0: Yeah. Theoretically how a three man front court. So if you're playing those guys together or do you, would your vision if you were running it be that you play Gordon more with one of those two and not both?
1: Yeah, I think so. Although, One of the things that Fry does add is when you have shooting at the big position, then you can get away with smalls who can't shoot as well. And if you've got Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon, those are two guys who can't shoot a lick. So Fry should help with that some. Help Payton especially get a running start into the lane um, on his pick and roll. So I I think a lot of people were really surprised at the eight for thirty two for Fry, but when you consider a that it starts high and goes down a little bit lower, B, that the cap is going up, and C, that they didn't have much else to spend that on, and they're still really, I think, $10 million under the cap at this point, that doesn't look so bad. Also, you know, granted, he's going to be 35 by the end of that contract, but he's someone that you can probably trade to a contender as well at some point, because probably he's going to be able to shoot jumpers until he's 50.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with that and the concept of how a guy's value is going to change. And we saw a similar thing in my eyes with the way the Rockets ended up with Trevor Reza. And Trevor Reza is also from reports on a descending contract. And not only, as you mentioned astutely, are they on descending contracts, but they're on descending contracts as the cap is going to be growing higher and higher. So the percentage, if you want to think about it, outlay to guys like that, let's say in 2015 or more accurately in 2016, is going to be a much more palatable thing for a wider variety of teams.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, and it could well be that, as Mark Deeks noted today, the mid-level is prescribed, and it doesn't go up nearly as much as the cap has been going up or is projected to. So we really should start thinking about kind of what is a good salary and what's an average salary in a little bit different way is that's going to rise up to, you know, six, 7 million where we might think of someone as overpaid at that level before. Now that's going to be something that's a little bit more reasonable.
0: And that same logic applies to something that has become a, something that's stuck in my craw a little bit more than it used to, which is the differing maxes now lead to some people just getting sticker shock with the word max with maximum salary And what a maximum salary is for a guy, let's say Gordon Hayward, getting a four-year contract right now, that is going to look very different in the next, not even the next CBA, but later in this CBA if the cap rises by as much as possible right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And especially when you've got guys at the wing position like he was, that is a contract that could look a lot better, as you said, as time goes on
0: there were a series of guys, you wrote a lot of excellent draft pieces that you really liked going into the draft, and I was wondering how that shook out, what teams, did any team get a collection of assets that you really liked?
1: Well, Utah, obviously I talked about them already. I think Denver did pretty well in terms of the value that they got. They got a guy, Yusuf Nurkic, who I had rated kind of in my top 10. He ended up going 16th. Gary Harris, another guy who a lot of people thought would be just below the top 10, they got hit at 19. So I think that's, that's one that really stands out. Philly, they, this may look like a great draft for them in a the couple of years, especially if they get another good pick this year, and B is someone who has the potential to be the best player in this draft. And they did well with some of their second rounders as well, I like uh, Vasilija Nisic, uh out of Serbia, I think KJ McDaniels was, was pretty good as well, and just based on the summer league, I think that Phoenix might have gotten a real steal with T.J. Warren. He was someone that I didn't really get a chance to watch a lot of. I was focusing more on the top ten guys, but that guy is just a professional scorer, and he just makes the ball go in the basket while he gets around the rim, and having that kind of penetration from weight position is something that the Suns haven't had we could have had a new dynamics for him over the next couple
0: of years as he matures. Yeah, TJ Warren has been a fascinating test case because he succeeded in college in a very unusual way. And I I wondered openly, just it wasn't to me a question of, oh, it won't work. It was, I don't know how it's going to work. And I think what the answer so far has been I wasn't watching it live like you were, but it seemed like it just kind of translated. You know, what he is good at is something that opponents aren't really that comfortable dealing with. And if that can extend to the increase in competition from Summer League to the NBA, that bodes very well not only for Warren but for the Suns as a whole because adding rotation pieces to that team helps them so much because they're pretty close.
1: I also think that with the way that uh, McDermott has played these first uh, few games of Summer League, the Bulls may not have gotten the greatest value, especially when they then had to take on Anthony Randolph and, offload of him with another couple of second-round picks so they could use their cap space. But I do think Doug McDermott is going to end up being a nice pick for them. I liked everything that I saw from him on film. Just the fact that he didn't really have any blocks and steals was very worrisome. But watching him in the summer, I think he is someone who is going to be able to smart, to some extent, in a little more varied ways than you might see from your typical... Just shooter, and but he also isn't going to be quite as bad defensively as a lot of people thought he might be. It's just the fact that statistically blocks and steals correlate so well with performance, and that there's really never been another prospect who had that little blocks and steals it was very worrisome to me. But just from the eye test, I was very I liked him a lot from what I saw, and he has backed that up so far in the summer league.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's that's something, and I wanted to ask you about the story that whatever the actual truth is right now, the possibility of Cleveland trading Andrew Wiggins as a part of a package for Kevin Love. If you were the general manager of Cleveland, what would you what would you be willing to trade Wiggins as the centerpiece of a Kevin Love trade right now?
1: Well, you know, I can put myself in Rich Paul's shoes uh, all you want, but I'm never really going to be able to get in his head, Danny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting though because I think both you and I, and you were on this before I was, aren't the biggest fans of Andrew Wiggins in terms of being this transcendent prospect. But he certainly has a really high level of potential as a as a player in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and you know I, I made that joke because the idea that LeBron's agent is now running the Cavs, but I think. It's hard for me to say because I wouldn't have drafted Wiggins number one. I don't like him as much as they obviously do because they did draft him number one. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as your typical number one pick would be. But if I were in their position and I believe that he was or perhaps even better than your typical number one pick, given how this draft was has been reputed for years coming up on it, that I would be pretty loath to do it, especially with the fact that Kevin Love is definitely not going to opt in, it sounds like, nor should he, for the 2015-16 season. He's going to be a free agent, and as the Cavs just benefited from, anything can happen a free agent. It's a little worrisome if they they can't provide at least a token commitment. So I would have to think long and hard if I really believed in Wiggins. From my own perspective, I would do it because Kevin Love is a top-five player in the league, it's very unlikely to me that Andrew Wiggins will ever have one season as good as the one that Kevin Love just had. And, you know, with Love and Kyrie and LeBron James, you've got a great mix of ages of players there too, with LeBron being a veteran, Kevin Love being right smack in his prime, and then Kyrie is someone who can improve. So you can hope to remain competitive for quite a while, And also, you keep LeBron happy. It sounds like he certainly wants love to come. And he's, you know, with the fact that he has these opt outs, he's now got even more leverage over Dan Gilbert and David Griffin and the rest of the crew. So I think they're going to end up doing what he wants
0: ultimately. I think they will too. And the other thing about Wiggins in that sense is I think he makes a lot more sense as a complimentary player but the, the unfortunate thing for him about potentially moving and this is the same thing that I've said about Klay Thompson is that I think it would be best for him to stay where he is but it would be best for his current team to make the step up to a better player
1: yeah I, I agree with you although I mean I think just imagine how well Wiggins would compliment Zach Levine in Minnesota Minnesota fans <laughs> But, yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I'm sure he would, he would love to say that would certainly be quite – I mean, imagine that roller coaster, right? You get drafted by the Cavs, you know, which is a decent place to go if you're a number one big, maybe not as bad as a lot of places. Then LeBron comes back, you're ecstatic, and then you get traded to Minnesota immediately after that. I think that, that was just – what a roller coaster that would be. No wonder they're not letting him talk to the media at Summer League anymore.
0: And not only that, but there's a difference between Wiggins and Clay Thompson because Wiggins is under team control for basically a minimum of seven of seven or eight years. Whereas Clay, at least he's gonna get paid right away. You know, he'll have one year, maybe he would even sign an extension this summer. So you have that, but if, if and you're there and as long as Flip Saunders is the general manager or president Graham Poo of the Timberwolves, if they trade for Wiggins, they won't trade him. So you're gonna be there for a while for better or for worse.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's the case. Well, So what about you? Are you? Will you make that trade or not?
0: The only thing that I'm reticent about, and this is something that you and I both know with the CBA, is that it is impossible right now for Kevin Love to sign an extension. He could agree to a one-year thing that we both, you articulated well, why that won't happen. So I'm a little bit hesitant, and this is true for a couple of the teams that are interested in him, that he will really commit to that because we know that big markets are going to be available. But I think Cleveland can feel more confident in it because he's going to be playing with LeBron. And the other factor in all this with Kevin Love is, yeah, he might not be happy, and people talk about how LaMarcus Aldridge got there. Kevin Love has never even made the playoffs. I think that being on a team that is that is good and that is more consistently good and that he has surrounding talent will be so – welcome for him, and he's only ever had that international ball in the last few years, that I think he will be warmer to extending then than he is now, especially if you look at how barren the Lakers will probably be if as a primary suitor for him a year from now.
1: I agree with you that he would be pretty likely to stay, and LeBron seems to be quite the master recruiter, and presumably LeBron wouldn't recruit him, and be happy with Wiggins being traded away if there was a thought that Kevin Love was going to leave. But it is very entertaining to think about a situation in which LeBron James would suffer some hardcore schadenfreude when Kevin Love jilts him at the altar and goes to play for another team in the same fashion that LeBron has sort of left, you could argue, has wounded all these fan bases that he leaves in free agency.
0: Yeah, I mean the closest he's ever come to that was Carlos Boozer. <laughs> <laughs> a guy who I know is near and dear to your heart.
1: Who knows? Maybe I mean, maybe Cleveland actually wins a championship if that if Carlos Boozer doesn't leave. He's a pretty darn good player for a few years there. Uh like especially like in that 07 season. If he's on that 07 team, maybe things change a little bit. Probably not, but maybe.
0: Okay, here's a small thing that I've I haven't written a piece on this yet, but I've been stumping on would Carlos Boozer in those years be better than any player Kevin Love has ever played with in the pros?
1: Yeah, no, he would. who else has been that good that Kevin Love has played with? Really nobody. You know, Car- that Carlos Boozer would be. I mean, they'd be a terrible fit together, but uh, yeah, he's a better player than anyone that Kevin Love has played with.
0: Yeah, my point is basically, people talk talked about, oh, Kevin hasn't made the playoffs, is those teams, they have some decent players, but they've been pretty barren. And I just think that it's crazy to expect a playoff run, especially with how good the West is, when you have this little surrounding talent, when we've seen that that isn't enough in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and really, because people sort of think, oh, who who's on the team? Oh, let's look at their starting five, they don't realize just how horrendous their bench was last year. And when Love was on the floor, they were great. And when he was off the floor, they were not good. And then they're also, I mean, it seems to be now the conventional wisdom that with some of the issues that Rick Adelman was going through, his heart may not have fully been in coaching the team and that maybe someone else might have gotten a little more out of them, uh, which would have been big for them, especially considering they had such a good point differential. And then had
0: all those games where they, within four points or less, where they just couldn't come through. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at that, it's not on Kevin Love as far as I'm concerned for, you know, when people always say, oh, let's see if he can make the playoffs first. I don't blame him for that.
0: And it also goes in with something that I've thought a lot about, and we're seeing it at various levels in the league, of having players around a star who make sense with that star. And I like Nikola Pekovic. He's a decent basketball player. But putting him next to Kevin Love is just a recipe for disaster because your defense is just going to have trouble. You don't have a rim protector. They do similar things well and poorly, more poorly on the defensive end. And I think that's similar in a way to what we saw with LeBron, though. That was more because Cleveland was going for a different tact. And we're seeing the superstars that get built around a little bit more intelligently do better in the league. And if you want to classify that with the Spurs, you can do that. But I would say even the Warriors are closer on that.
1: To me, the critical time for them was last off season when they had a chance to rebuild their wing rotation and they picked up I think mean, I think they had Chase Buttinger already on the team, but then they re signed him. And then they got Kevin Martin, who may be the worst defensive shooting guard in the league. And then Corey Brewer, who, despite his reputation coming out of school, has never really there's never really been any empirical evidence that he's a positive defensive player. So if you're going to have Pekovic and Love, those are actual good players. That's fine. You could say, all right, we're never going to get a center who's as good as him. we got to just roll with him. But then you got to get some wings who can play some defense because if you're – now you have the only guy in on the team who can stop anybody is Ricky Rupio. If you're going to have those guys who are not great at protecting the basket, you better have guys who can stop them from getting to the basket to begin with. And Minnesota just didn't have that last year, and now – It seems like in Kevin Love's heart, it's a little too late.
0: I think it's too late, too, and that obviously affects it with trades. We don't know what's happening all the way with Eastern Conference, Kevin Love being a big domino, but let's say that trade does not happen. Who do you see as the top teams in that Eastern Conference?
1: I think it all depends, again, on Derrick Rose's health, as it always does. If he gets back to being a decent player, I think the Bulls' offense could be much, much better with skilled shooters like Gasol and McDermott and Miracic and then having Rose be back. But, you know, they've got Rose and they've got Kirk Heinrich and presumably some minimum guy at the point guard slot. Those two guys are pretty injured or, or pretty injury prone. So it's, there's always a risk. The Bulls, I think would have the highest ceiling in that scenario. If only because I'm not quite sure how Cleveland is going to stop at one. But, then again, you could say LeBron has a better defensive year. Anderson Varejao could play more minutes than we expect him to. David Blatt could get Kyrie Irving to start playing some D. I mean, he's, or he could come up with some junk zones and stuff that really mess with people. So that's, I think those two teams though, one of the two I would predict would be the conference champion because they just have both of them have enough upside that you think one of them would realize it.
0: Yeah, I think, and the other thing, as you talk about ceilings, is that I don't see any of the teams that are a little bit lower. And obviously, there are some good franchises there beating, let's say, both of those franchises in a seven-game series. You know, I, I basketball is a sport where obviously upsets do happen, but generally speaking, the best teams make it that far, and so. I can't see, let's say, if you want to say the, the Pacers, whoever in that morass that is the, the entire almost Eastern Conference, I, I just don't see any of them as presently constituted being better than the Bulls or the Cavs. I have the Cavs slightly better because of Derrick Rose. I think if, if you told me Derrick Rose is 100% going into the playoffs, I would have the Bulls as the front runners unless Cleveland gets love. But, you know, that, that risk is pretty substantial, as you know. And with Heinrich as his only real backup, and replacement substitute, that's a huge risk with this team.
1: Well, we should have a better idea after the World Cup. I mean, number one, if Rose doesn't make the team, that probably does not augur well. And number two, we'll see how he looks if he does make the team. I think I think he probably will actually make it now because the rest of the guys who are on that the roster aren't really that great of defenders, the point guard slots. So that can kind of be his argument. Rose, really, before he hurt himself again last year his offense wasn't there but he had a couple of games where he was really swallowing up opposing point guards and I think he is could get to the point now where he's really an excellent defensive point guard even more than he had been so that's a, I think we'll have a pretty decent idea about that so who if those are your top two who's your three and four then
0: god I'm scared about the pacers because they're when the you know, we talked about how good their five man union is, but that five man union is dead now. It's dead and buried. Lance Stevenson is gone. Uh let me I uh, yeah what do you think? I will let me give me a second to think about it and I'll 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 follow back up with you. Yeah, I I agree
1: with you on Indiana I and mean, if even if you look at their fifty six win season last year, that was really predicated on basically being the best defense of all time for the first half of the year. You'd have to imagine without Lance, that's going to decline a little bit. And Roy Hipper, his kind of weird vacillations, I think it's hard to with him to build a real top-flight offense because he's taken up space. He's not a great shooter. Um, He's not very good at catching and finishing or running pick-and-roll. And if he posts up, he's not really going to be too efficient with that either. So you've kind of got a guy who's mucking up the spacing, but also can't really take advantage with finishing off of others' penetration about the rim. So I think when he's around, you have a bit of an offensive ceiling, and then you've got other guys who, you know, there's no real other offensive superstar on that team either. The only way I think that could maybe change is if they get it into David West's head that you got to start shooting threes now, or at least, like, more often corner threes. He started taking a few of them in the playoffs last year, so maybe he'll finally – Decide that he's okay with doing that. That would be the only way I think they have an upside. I would say then that probably Toronto and Miami would be my choices for three and four.
0: I was going to go with the Wizards and the Raptors. I think that those are the three, though, Miami being the the third one in there. The other team that yeah, I'm really intrigued
1: on, on the Wizards, yeah. I, I mean, it's sometimes it, in the offseason, it's hard to even remember, like, what teams exist without just, like, yeah. without just like looking at the at the conference alignment. It's very easy, surprisingly, to just, like, skip teams over. But, yeah, I think the Wizards would be right in that mix as well. You're right about that.
0: Two more things, because I know you're a busy man. You have to go. One other one is I'm really high on the Hawks. I think that they could be a very dangerous team if they can stay close to healthy. It's kind of paralleling what Memphis did, that when they had their best guys, I think they were a very good team. Do you agree with that? Hmm.
1: I guess it depends what else they can do with that. They still have, what, about $10 million bucks left or so? Tavo Sefalosha does not particularly move the needle for me. I'll, I'll say that. And Lou Williams is someone who might potentially have been better this year, a year removed from ACL surgery. Horford has had trouble staying healthy. I don't think that Millsap is going to quite repeat his season of last year. Kyle Korver has got to start slowing down at some point. He's like 33 now, uh, despite the fact that his skills age pretty well and keeps himself in great shape. So. I think they're a little bit of a notch. They still kind of strike me as more kind of 45 win team, but you know, maybe, maybe they'll surprise, maybe uh, Jeff T can take another step, but there's not really anyone out there. I, if I were them, I think I would have gone, I would have done the max offer sheet for uh, Eric Bledsoe and granted Phoenix probably would have matched it, but it's that, I mean, what, it's not like, Oh no, we can't tie up our cap space for three days. Cause they haven't gotten anyone else to take their money. And usually
0: exactly. usually
1: restricted free agents, you guys know, say, oh, he doesn't want to go to Atlanta. Well, he's from Birmingham, so that's pretty close to there. And usually restricted free agents will end up signing with anyone who will pay them, especially when they figure their hometown team is probably going to match anyway. They just need someone to set the market. So I'm going to take a chance on that. Uh, the only issue with him, though, is the fact that he has had a couple of meniscus surgeries now and you know you don't know exactly what that report looks like because I think both of those have been meniscus trims rather than being meniscus repairs so he's probably missing a little bit of that in there we don't know how much obviously
0: that's a good point the other guy that I would have considered with them is another favorite of yours and mine which is Isaiah Thomas I think that he would have been a really fun guy for that especially because my boy Dennis Schroeder has not come on as quickly as I hoped
1: I think he's actually he's had some pretty decent games in summer league, although also some some bad ones. We'll we'll see what happens with him. It's real good real good ping pong player though. Last night at the charity ping pong tournament I was at in Vegas, he did really well. He had a huge upset of former Hawks coach Bob Weiss, which no one thought would happen uh, before bowing out in the semifinals.
0: The last question I want to ask you this is something I've been thinking about a little bit the last couple days. We don't know, obviously, what's happening with everything with the, with it right now, but if the season were to start tomorrow, how many of the 10 best teams in the NBA would be in the Eastern Conference?
1: Um, That's a good question. I think, really, the, for me right now, the West has a pretty clear hierarchy in the top four, maybe top five. Uh, I think the same top three as last year, and then... Uh, with Houston having a little bit of a demise, maybe they can get someone else on a short-term deal, but it seems like they're pretty focused on opening up cap space later on. So they're likely going to take a little bit of a step back this year without Lynn, Ashik, and Parsons. So I think that you know, you've know got Golden State, they've gotten a little bit better, and maybe Dallas now with Tyson Chandler, they could even get up to about the five seed. But I think Portland is going to regress a little bit because uh, they – were pretty lucky in close games last year, and, and I think also had some guys playing a little over their heads. Phoenix, I think, is a team that may not be quite as good without Fry. I think he was a, a bigger key to their offensive success than a lot of people realize. So they may take a step back. Memphis, their guys are all getting older pretty much, their main guys. Vince Carter might help a little bit, but they lost Mike Miller, so that seems like kind of a wash. So I think really you might – there will be at least – either Cleveland or Chicago will be pretty close to up there among those best teams with the, in the West and certainly could have been – so you might get four teams that would be better than the second best team in the East in the West. I think it's going to be a little bit more balanced because a lot of those teams at the bottom of the West I don't expect to be quite as good this year.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. That there are a lot of regression candidates in the in the bottom of the Western Conference playoff picture. I'm a little higher on Memphis than you, but I think I'd still have Chicago above them. And then Cleveland. Cleveland is a high upside pick, but I, I really would be skeptical that a team with the best player in the sport would be outside of the 10 best teams in the league, considering their talent is better. I think they're better than they were when he left, and they were clearly a, a very good team then, at least in terms of one loss record, even though they were flawed.
1: Oh, yeah, I I disagree that they're better than when he left. I mean, that that team was a top-five defensive team, and I think they don't have a prayer of getting there this time around. Uh, I mean, they probably have more talent, but they're yeah, so young, of- and those guys don't know what they're doing on defense. I mean, those Cavs teams were really good. They won 66 games in 09 and 61 in 10, and LeBron, I think, was better back then than he is now, especially defensively, so... A lot of people don't want to believe that because he's won the championship since and he's become more efficient. But what he was doing with those teams back then, I mean, and and athletically he's nowhere close to that at at this point, despite the fact that he's become a bit more of a sage veteran.
0: That's a great point. I think that one of the bigger stories of this year will be LeBron's defense. And then also to see what Miami looks like without a ton of differences, but with the dang in there, who's a good player. And to see how, how those two teams look with those different personnel. But it's we still have a lot to learn. Uh thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, anytime, man. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Nate Duncan for taking the time. You can read him at basketballinsiders.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Duncan N B A. That's N-A-T-E-D-U-N-C-A-N N B A. It was great to have him on. As I said, there are a lot of different pieces going in. We don't know everything yet, but part of the fun of writing about the NBA and thinking about the NBA is thinking about it as we go along. I, I, it's been really fun for me to think about what's going to happen with the East, particularly with Indiana and Charlotte, with the Lance Stevenson move, because I feel like that could be a far more devastating blow to the Pacers than people think. They've since added Roddy Stuckey, but... Rodney Stuckey does some things well but doesn't do what Lance did well and as Nate said, their offense is gonna be a very different thing than it was and Stuckey obviously is a substantially worse defensive player. He's one of the one of the weaker defensive guards in the league. So it'll be fun to see what they look like and I think Charlotte is gonna get substantially better because they have a two guard now that is good and that they they're gonna get forty eight quality minutes there and so one of the things that's gonna be great to see now is how teams fill up the rest of their bench we've already seen some interesting if you want to call it by low moves Ed Davis I think took less money than he could have gotten to go to the Lakers but he has a one year make good and we saw what happened with Jody Meeks and a few other former Lakers and even Nick Young who re-signed with the Lakers getting a lot more money so I think that we will see some more of that and that some of the holes that we're seeing right now will end up being filled up and I honestly don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Love because it depends on what Flip Saunders, the coach, and what Flip Saunders, the person who runs personnel, think. Because Flip Saunders, the coach, I feel like, would have to want Kevin Love around because Kevin Love is better than anybody that they're going to get and he makes their team have a much better chance of making the playoffs. However, if Andrew Wiggins gets on the table... And I'm not saying necessarily that he is already or that he necessarily will be. That is a piece that you're probably not going to do better than, and if they have confidence, which they should, that Kevin Love will not be there at the end of this coming season, then I feel like you have to pull the trigger on that if it becomes available. And that's also the reason why the Cavs can have a little bit more flexibility, but the problem with that is that once Minnesota Minnesota trades Kevin Love, Kevin Love is gone. I don't think that if he gets moved now that a team will then you know be willing to take the same offer though as somebody who covers the Warriors it would be fascinating to see what they would do if theoretically Cleveland offered them Andrew Wiggins I don't think that's going to happen it's a fun hypothetical though but thank you so much for listening it's going to be a a fun rest of the road I also wanted I'm figuring out now what I want to do for this lull in the season because obviously now summer league is winding down and there are still transactions to be made but to get it from transition from recap to preview, and I'm still working on exactly what that's going to be. I'm getting some firm ideas, though. It should be really fun trying to get a great group of people, and then I'll have some general guests on as well, just people to talk about the NBA, but I want to get more into depth, kind of like the Eliminated, but not on single teams. That's the direction I'm looking right now. It might be on divisions, it might be on narrower groups than that, just depending on who I can get and what they want to talk about, but... Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun, and it will continue to be fun. If you have anything to contribute to make the show better, you can send me an email, daniel.larue at realgm.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Danny Larue. that's D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. Thanks, take care, and make it a great day. go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup RB intense. I thought you said you love a sweater that I got
1: you. If you didn't, you could have told me.
0: Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt.